creating a physical education program for our children is more than just sending them out to play. <laughs> Today, it's my joy to talk with Dr. Carrie Behrens, who will tell us why phys ed is important, even if you and your kids are not athletic. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host. And today, Dr. Carrie Behrens is here to explain why phys ed is important, even if you and your kids are not athletic. Dr. Carrie Behrens has worked in the health and fitness field for over 30 years. She has extensive education ex and experience in physical education, wellness, nutrition, and teaching individuals with disabilities. Dr. Behrens holds two master's degrees in adapted PE and teaching and a PhD in kinesiology. She currently teaches exercise physiology and nutrition at the university level and was previously a physical education consultant for deaf preschoolers and K-12 students in Texas. To enhance her personal proficiency in sign language and nutrition, she traveled twice to the Jamaica Deaf Village for mission work and recently obtained her certification as a fitness nutrition coach and sports nutrition specialist. Dr. Behrens is passionate about education, home educated her three children for over 18 years, and has worked in online higher education since 2008. Dr. Behrens lives with her husband and children in Michigan. She teaches at homeschool School Connections. We are so blessed to have her. She teaches high school health and personal fitness, high school health and nutrition, American Sign Language 1 and 2. And if you would like to reach Dr. Behrens, she would be happy to hear from you. She is at dr underscore b-e-r-e-n-d-s at msn.com. And that's in our show notes. So if you're driving or folding laundry or something, no worries. You can find it on our homepage. Dr. Behrens, thank you so much for making time for us today. It's really great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, you, you live in a, in a world that is full of movement and thoughts about good health and all that stuff. And we so need that in our lives. And we need to inculcate that in our children from an early age. Step us into why it's important to really do physical education. Sure. So there are several different reasons. I think, first of all, we think of, of health, right? We need exercise and we need movement. We need to get our circulation going, get the bodies moving to stay healthy. So one good reason is health. We have pro more problems these days with childhood obesity, pre-diabetes, even at earlier ages than we would expect. And so it's more important than ever that we establish good, healthy habits from a very young age. Another reason is physical development. Our kids are growing, they're changing, their bodies, their limbs are getting longer. They may have their shapes change through puberty and as they get older, their metabolisms change as well. And so as we grow up, we need to think that this physical development is something we need to learn to work with and to use. And by moving our bodies, we actually become better acquainted with our own movement and movement patterns. Wow, that's a, that's a really cool thought. I just want to pause to take yeah. that with some awe, our own movement patterns. Right, right. You know, you see, people talk about being awkward in middle school because maybe you get a little lankier. I myself was always kind of tall and skinny and, 
and my limbs got longer and I started knocking into things and my mom would call me klutzy Carrie. <laughs> but that was part of my growth. But the more I would move my body and use it in a physical manner, I became better acquainted with how my body was changing and I was actually more proficient in moving throughout my own space in my home. Wow. Yeah, another reason is recreation. You know, kids have fun when they rec- rec- we call it recreate or recreate their movements in a in a fun manner. So, everything from playing games, backyard badminton, to going kayaking or camping with the family, um, these are recreational activities that include movement, and we get more out of that too. We get social activities. We learn how to be part of a team, how to cooperate, how to follow rules. So the recreational aspect of physical education is also important. Um, Another reason is because we get two kind of effects from movement. We get what we call acute effects, the effects of an acute bout of exercise. So for example, if I'm having a stressful day and I get up and I go for a walk, that walk has some immediate benefits from just a 30-minute bout of movement. That includes increased circulation. You know, I'm getting more oxygen to my brain and to my limbs. Um, It's often very energizing. It sounds backwards, but when we move, sometimes we say, oh, we can't exercise because I'm so tired. (laughs) But if we would get up and move, we wouldn't feel so tired. And then often it does relieve stress. You know, we can come back and feel better, refresh. We're able to tackle our day. Um, So that's what we call, you know, our effects of acute bouts. And then we have what we call chronic effects of regular movement and exercise. And those are more health-related. Those are more skill-related. As we practice doing something or participate in a sport, we get better. As we lift weights, we get stronger. As we work our heart, our heart becomes more efficient. Um, We get short-term and long-term effects from exercise as well. I just wanted to mention that I've read over the years that how fit you are as a child really does pay dividends for the rest of your life. It does. And it's, it's really not just setting those physical, I guess you would call it a physical base for the rest of your life. It's also an attitude, an attitude base of learning to love movement. Um, I like to teach students, and I say students meaning from very young all the way through college age, that it's a privilege to move our bodies. We get to move our bodies. And if we can instill this language right off the bat with kids that saying, it's not like I have to go outside and run. I get to go outside and run. What a joy, what a privilege to have um, the ability to move in the way that I can. Or maybe we can't run, but maybe we can perform certain stretches or be able to uh, help our body be stronger by doing some calisthenics. But if we change our attitude and language to, I get to do this, and what a joy, and what, what a way to glorify God and thank Him for the way our bodies move, um, then that's something that children can carry over into adulthood, which will lead for lifelong health and fitness participation. You're bringing to mind as a coach how much mindset affects everything. What are some typical mindsets that get in the way of our having that great attitude about exercise? Well, some of them might stem from our own personal experiences. And so I think all of us can probably think back to our childhood or maybe not even into our childhood or even college or early adult years. And we may negatively, we may have negative thoughts and associations with exercise or activity. 
when I talk to my college students, I ask them, what kind of physical education experience did you have in high school? And what was it like in elementary school? And I tend to find it's one extreme or another. You know, either they say, oh, I loved it. I'd love to move. Um, I took, I took a, this kind of class or I tried this kind of sport or I played sports in high school. And it was great. Or I get the other end is, oh, I hated it. Um, it was no fun. Oh, I remember having to run laps. Um, or perhaps exercise could have been used as a punishment in their life. Um, that's one of the things I really don't like to see. You know, perhaps somebody in their life said, go take, go take a lap go running or do push-ups as a punishment. And so that instills those negative attitudes. So I think one thing that gets in the way is um, our past, our own experiences, and how we were treated and how we saw exercise, movement, and fitness as, as a child and as a young adult ourselves. Yeah, you can see how that would really hinder us in creating a good environment. What else do you see typically getting in the way? I see, I see really physical education not being prioritized in the home as much as academics. Academics is something that usually takes a precedence. You know, your math, your science, your writing, uh, all the key su- subjects that we would think about for school. Uh, but what a lot of people don't know is that physical education is an academic subject. There's more to just moving your body. There's a lot to learn. We teach about wellness and sports participation rules, games. In physical education, we should be addressing sleep and recovery and what it takes, what it means to take a rest day even and not have activity. We also learn about proper nutrition. How do we fuel our bodies? What about hydration? How much water do I really need to drink? Um, How do I know if I'm dehydrated? How often should I be drinking water during activity? It goes on and on and on. You know, there's, this is all part of physical education. And so I think sometimes we think, well, we don't have time to put that into our daily academic day, so we'll just go outside and play. But when you do that, you're really missing all those things that I just mentioned that should be part of a good, solid curriculum. So I think sometimes one of the barriers is that physical education gets put on the back burner or it doesn't get as much importance because it gets treated as an elective. But it's not actually an elective. It's actually an academic subject. And so I think if we change our mindset, that might help. And so for those of us who are not naturally athletic, like I was always an active kid, but in terms of really understanding what goes into a good physical education program, I know you mentioned attitude before. How can we create that atmosphere in the home of having a great attitude about it? Well, of course, modeling, right? And even if we don't feel it, you know, you fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) Tackling it on as a family, I've seen the most success of families um, being able to come alongside their their children as they grow and kind of learn and grow with them. Um, it would help us all to participate in physical education. And even from an elementary age, if you're doing an activity where a child's learning a particular locomotor skill or they like to skip or hop, I can attest that if you go outside right now and if you skip down your driveway, you're gonna feel pretty good. <laughs> There's something fun about skipping, right? Yeah, there really is. And so I think um, tackling it as a family, you know, it's not just my child's subject. This is something that our family does. Looking at recreational opportunities that maybe you have in the community. Do you have a trail system around your neighborhood? Even if you have to get in the car and go somewhere, is there somewhere you can go walking? Um, what kind of 
parks and recreation classes or facilities or um, outdoor areas are open for us to do. So that's one thing you can do is try to tackle it as, let's do this as a family. There are a lot of resources that are out there. Of, of course, um, you mentioned that I teach the high school health classes at Homeschool Connections. Those are recorded classes. Um, but there's a seven-week nutrition aspect, and then there's a seven-week fit, personal fitness. And it really goes along and takes the student step-by-step on how to develop a well-rounded personal fitness program. Yeah, it's so nice to know that that's out there, that if that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I loved two things that you said really stand out for me that just resonate as a homeschooler. One is learning along with your kids. We do that with everything else, don't we? How many of us have said to each other at the mom's night out or whatever it is that, oh my gosh, I'm finally reading the classics with my children. Or, I, you know, this forced me to fill in some gaps in my own education. So here's that beautiful opportunity to learn with the children. And I guess the other aspect is that we love to find cool resources, people to come alongside us, and so that we can, as a family, kind of almost philosophically make a shift and say, you know what, we're about this. And this is it, we're a team. And part of the members of our team are going to be people like you. We're going to use your recorded courses, or we're going to look at other opportunities to draw from the expertise of other people. We're going to be researchers and, and have fun with it. Yes. And, and I do say this is, this is one aspect of education I think can be so fun. You know, I teach at the university level, and so my office is actually in a field house. And I always say, we get to, we get to work in the fun building, you know, because <laughs> there's a rock climbing wall, and there's a fitness center, and there's an indoor track and tennis center. And so you may not have all those facilities, but that's a fun time for a parent to say, ooh, let's go on, I, let's, we get to do the fun subject next, you know. So <laughs> I, I like to kind of be the, the, fun, the fun major, the fun people. And physical education can be so much fun. And now some people are going to feel overwhelmed right now. They're going to think they don't, I don't know where to start or, or maybe I, I hear what you're saying, Dr. Behrens, but I do feel tired and I do feel unmotivated. What are some ways to step into some habit change? What, how can we get unstuck? Well, I would say try to do one new or different positive thing each week. So I use this even when I'm coaching people about proper nutrition. It's too overwhelming to go to the grocery store, buy everything you need, try to food prep everything for the whole week, and then stay on track to a plan. Um, That's probably going to set us up for being overwhelmed and failure. The same thing when we're trying to design a physical education program. I would say let's take it a week at a time. Nutritionally, this this week, we're going to fuel our bodies better by having a fruit or vegetable with every meal. So that could be something, let's do that as a family, because that's part of physical education is fueling our bodies properly. Well, that's probably pretty easy to do. And that's all you need to do for that first week. Then the second week, you might say, okay, we're going to start out by three days this week. We're going to take 30 minutes and move our bodies in a way that feels pleasurable to us. So what feels good to us? Let's start with something that we like to do. Take inventory. What do we like to do? So you don't have to have a full curriculum right off the bat. We can slowly roll into being more designing a physical education program with one new change a week. But the key is to keep that change. So once you start that, you keep it. So if you decide on 30 minutes, three days a week, that's what you start on, then you're going to build upon that. So you're just going to grow and grow and grow in your, in your activities and your curriculum, um, the ideas that you're going to do. But definitely, 
it's overwhelming to try to do it all at once. And you don't have to have all of your curriculum ready on day one, set with your physical education time every single day. It doesn't have to be that way. So take the pressure off and slowly roll into the lifestyle as a family and your curriculum will grow and your knowledge will grow. But my biggest advice is it doesn't have to all be done uh, and it doesn't have to all be ready before you start. I see this as a real confidence builder too, Dr. Behrens, because trying to just establish a small routine, it's a kind of like your home is your lab, your experimentation lab and your family's finding its way. So you're trying this and you're trying that and you're holding on to the things that are working for your family. You also have some great ideas around sort of the metrics side, which I feel like is another great lesson for our kids. Tracking progress. How is that encouraging? How, how can we even not be overwhelmed by keeping track of our progress? I know you have wonderful ideas on this. Yeah, so I think the best way to do that is um, what I utilize is actually a fitness log. And when I have that fitness log or I have my students fill out a fitness log, I'd have them choose an activity that whatever it's going to be, they write at, this is what I did. This was the date. This is the activity I did. This is how long I did it. And it's important for us to look back and know that. But one of the most important parts of that log are three things that I ask them to reflect on. My effort, my attitude, and my enthusiasm. And give yourself a rating of one through 10. Now, it may seem that that's not important, but good habits and physical education is really about... Um, consistency rather than, you know, like I said, doing it all at once. If you're consistent, changes happen over time. And you can look back at your log and you say, you know, maybe my effort was really good, but that day I didn't have a very good attitude about working out and recognizing that. And maybe it's tied to the activity that you chose. Or maybe you had a great attitude, but you just didn't have that much enthusiasm. But I think by reflecting on and keeping a log and then giving yourself a rating on some of these non-physical aspects of movement will help us to make changes to and decide what kinds of things that we like to do. We, in physical education, we like to separate phases of development. So, you know, when kids are born, we celebrate when they crawl and they roll over. We celebrate when then they can walk independently. Everybody claps. You know, it's an exciting time in a child's life. I would like to people to keep that celebration of those physical achievements going. So when you get into elementary school, wow, I, I can skip. And skipping is actually pretty, oh, what's the word? It, it's a higher skill. It's a higher physical skill because we have what's called a cross-lateral movement in it. You know, your right arm is going up when your left leg and knee is up. So it's a, it's a cross movement. And most children shouldn't be expected to even skip until they're around seven or eight years old. And a lot of people say, well, my five-year-old can't skip. That's totally normal. But this is just an example to say that we continue to grow our skills and our abilities. Our balance and our coordination improves. Our ability to do what we call object control skills, throwing, kicking, striking, those improve with practice. These should be part of the curriculum in the elementary because just like we clapped when they walked and or could scoot along on the carpet. We should be enjoying those milestones of movement and development throughout the elementary years. And then I say in middle school, we're starting to take that transition to now you've got to start taking care of yourself. So we have, of course, our hygiene. We're teaching our students how to 
properly take care of themselves and showering habits and things. This should continue where now you're becoming more independent on the choices of the food that you make, the choices of activities and sports or team organized activities that they enjoy. Just like, um, you know, they may choose to pick up an instrument. This is a time that maybe they're going to pick up a, a certain activity. Um, I was actually thrilled. I, I saw on Facebook yesterday a friend of mine who moved to Alaska. Her daughter took my homeschool physical education class when she was in elementary school, and we did a volleyball unit. And her mom came up to me afterwards, and she said, I'm so glad you did volleyball, because I played that as a little girl. And it turns out that Lily loves it. Well, I watched on the other, she's a junior in Alaska on a, a Christian school team there, and she's their setter, and she's fabulous. And I thought, oh, what joy, because she participated in an activity in middle school that introduced her to an organized sport. Now she's enjoying it in a competitive nature uh, with teammates. And so that's the type of thing why we should be paying attention to that. And then I like to get into the high school. And high school is really much more about lifestyle fitness. Here's where we establish our, our habits that are going to last a lifetime. This is the time where we should start learning about what, what does physical fitness mean? You know, so in my course, I talk about What's cardiorespiratory fitness, right? Our heart and our lungs. Muscular strength. It's, we need to be strong. Muscular endurance. You know, we couldn't go on a couple hour hike in the mountains if we didn't have the endurance. Body composition. So we need to have a proper amount. We need muscle on our body and we need fat on our body. And it's ideal to be at a certain amount and we want it to be healthy. And then we talk about flexibility. If we don't establish good flexibility habits, early on, you know, we're not going to be able to bend down and tie our shoes when we're 75. <laughs> so they're not thinking of that, but we're thinking of that for them. So um, that's really the progression. That's how I think that uh, the parents should think about physical education is celebrating those developmental milestones. And then when they're 18 and they're adults, hopefully they feel I can move my body in a coordinated manner. I can participate in some fun recreational activities or a sport. I can motivate myself to plan my own fitness program and choose my own good nutrition to fuel my body. And that's really our job is to be able to get them independent in all those areas and feel good about it. So I know that was a lot of information all at once, but that's the, the develop, developmental progression of the curriculum really in physical education. Yeah, so learning about the body and developing some foundational skills and then getting more self-aware in terms of maybe participating in teams or noticing self basic self-care issues and practicing good self-care habits and then into the high school level of we're on the verge of adulthood so we're thinking about lifestyle we're thinking about making our own personal choices around fitness so it's a really interesting development and we think as homeschoolers so often about those various phases educationally in terms of classical development of the child and in terms of our curricula choices it makes perfect sense that there are distinct appropriate healthy natural phases that we can live into. And if we're starting late, let's say we're, our kids are in high school and, you know, we have a place to start, does it make sense to just go right into the whole lifestyle piece with them or should we work on foundational skills? What would you recommend? There should definitely be what we call health-related physical fitness as a priority. So the health-related are those areas that I just talked about. So cardiorespiratory and strength and, and endurance. 
because those are those things that are going to affect our health for a lifetime. And usually by high school, we're close to our adult body size. And so developmentally, we're not having to work with the changes. We are already at probably our adult development size as our bodies are. But it's not too late to learn skills. It certainly isn't. So I would say at this point, let's go with the student's interests. Can they find something? And I have students that come to college and they go, well, there aren't any sports I play. I don't like to do any of this. And I say, well, what about badminton? They're like, "Mm, I never played badminton before. It's, oh, well, then sign up for a badminton class. And then they end up coming after hours into the gym with their roommates or their friends from the dorm. And they come to rec hours and they all play badminton together. So it wasn't too late to try a new skill, to learn a new sport. So at the high school level, I would say start with the health-related physical fitness, the nutrition and personal fitness, and then what other areas sound interesting to you to try? It's never too late to try a recreational sports skill. In our uh, kind of final conversation around this, if you could take us through, you did research and a lot of early work and you have a lot of training around special needs uh, development for kids. And a lot of people homeschool for that reason, that their children, they took them out of a labeling limiting environment to do something more personalized and more beneficial for their kids. Would you leave us with some tips for working with our special needs kids? Sure, absolutely. So first of all, I think parents who have um, children with special needs probably have already figured out already that incorporating movement into the academic part assists learning. So your child may learn if they're able to move. So whether it be they can get up and they have a spot to move their bodies, maybe they need to sit on a a physio ball, you know, those very large exercise balls and bounce up and down during math time. Movement and learning It's science-based that we learn information better when our body is allowed to move. So I would say, first of all, incorporate movement into learning. So we used to do things in my um, classes, our adapted PE classes, where um, the students would perhaps put a sentence together by running down and picking up a word and running back and sticking it to the wall in place. And so we would do the movement, running, hopping, skipping, jumping, rolling, playing, while we were trying to grammatically construct a sentence, or it could be a math problem. It could be anything. So I would say first start with that because we do have research that shows that movement will improve one's learning. I also would say um, that taking breaks often of the other subjects and incorporating the physical activity in between is a good way to go. So years ago, we would have the it would be the, the CDC, the American Heart Association, they created like the guidelines for physical activity for Americans. And they came up with 150 minutes a week for adults and 60 minutes a day for children. And those were just revised in 2018. And they kept that same exact, we still recommend 60 minutes of movement a day. But here's the change they found. They found that People who got up and did movement in smaller increments throughout the day that added up to 60 minutes by the end were actually healthier. Their health-related components were better than somebody who sat all day long and then did a bout of exercise for 30 to 60 minutes. And it all counts. So whether, whether you do 10 minutes here and then 15 minutes here, um, try to incorporate that into your day because it will allow those frequent 
breaks that is often needed for children who have learning struggles. It allows for that movement to get that energy flowing and the oxygen to the brain. And it allows also to you to better meet that criteria of 60 minutes a day and have those positive health-related effects of movement. But that's, that would be my best tip. I did my dissertation on um, physical education for children who with autism who were homeschooled. And I actually surveyed parents, and we ranked the subject of physical education along with all the typical required subjects, history, mathematics, reading and writing, uh, you know, language arts. And it was surprising to me, but I was very happy that physical education ranked an average of number three in importance. And their research really shows is because parents of children who have autism understand the movement aspect is very important to them on a daily basis. And it assists in behavior control. It assists in learning. It assists in um, the mood of the child. And so often physical education is one of the most important and well-used subjects for individuals with special needs. Wow. It makes me think of all those poor kids in schools who are told to <laughs> sit still, stop sit down and be stop quiet. moving. Yes. And, and yet their bodies are expressing a need and something that would actually help them to learn and help them to be joyful and their brains to be oxygenated for learning and all of that great stuff. And, and we know too that when we're physically fit, our confidence goes up. We're, we're a little stronger socially uh, because we're not so self-conscious and we're probably less stressed as you said, some just amazing points about making small changes and and keeping them, baby stepping, about the phases of development, and about taking frequent breaks throughout the day as opposed to just a one extended bout of exercise, but just to get up and move and to really enjoy it and have that great attitude. Any final thoughts for us, Dr. Behrens? Well, I I kind of thought, um, I heard somebody say one time, you know, we spend the first five years of a child's life getting them to walk and talk, and then we tell them to sit down and be quiet for the rest (laughs) of their education. And so I would just encourage, you know, uh, like I said, we celebrate those milestones when they're babies and they crawl and they walk and let's keep that going. And and let's not tell them to have to always sit down and be quiet. Um, Let's allow them to move and take joy in it with them. Um, Let's create new attitudes and efforts toward activity. Um, Take ownership as a family so the student is more willing to do it. Um, But again, let's, let's just change our whole outlook and and prioritize physical education as one of the, not only the most more important things that we should be doing um, because it lasts, the effects last a lifetime, but also something that we can just really enjoy. Amen and amen. The joy of the Lord is all through scripture and uh, jump and shout and sing. And uh, yes, it might be nice yeah. to post some of those around the house. Everyone, if you want to get in touch with the delightful Dr. Behrens, she is at dr underscore b-e-r-e-n-d-s at msn.com. And that will be in the show notes. And, uh, and maybe we'll uh, post a couple of other little things in the show notes for you too, because I know that Dr. Behrens has probably got other resources for us. Anyway, uh, thank you everybody for being with us, for listening, for allowing Dr. Behrens and I to just kind of share our hearts on this. It's so important. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. 
Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.